Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hey guys, it's Misty here. It's the middle of summer and I'm bringing a special episode to you. Um, since the last episode in April, taken a couple months off and I actually kind of had the itch to podcast. I actually have been podcasting, but I've been podcasting on my other podcast. It's called Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. So if you're into hiking and nature and outdoors, do check out that podcast. But it's a once a month podcast and I kind of felt like talking gardening with somebody. So I got Julie Rohr with Garden Keeper um, on the podcast again. This is her third time on the podcast and she's kind of become a good uh, friend. We email often and chat gardening and that sort of thing. So, you know, one of those good online friendships that um, turning into real life friendship sort of thing, you know, I'm sure many of you guys have had that happen too, because as online uh, interactions have broadened, we've all gotten to know each other a little bit more. So I had her on just to talk for about an hour about her garden. And we talked about my garden, we talked a little bit about cooking and fermenting and just some random stuff for summer and I also just wanted to have an episode out for the middle of the summer for you guys in case you were um, wondering what what was going on in the podcast and I'm still planning on having a season four starting in October I'm already brainstorming some different people to have on the podcast but um, I won't start recording those until September and closer to October um, as always, you can find me on Instagram at the garden path podcast. I do have a newsletter at the garden path that you can sign up for. I send that out once a month, just a little bit of an update on my garden, any interesting reads or podcasts or videos, um, things that I come across garden related. I'll share that. And when it's podcast season, I put the links into the podcast episodes in case you haven't listened to them. And if you have a second, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, It would go, it would be great if you could do that. It would help the podcast so much more. And thank you for everybody who has. I've definitely noticed several more stars have ticked up in there lately. So I do appreciate that if you've taken the time out to do that. Okay, so enjoy this episode and I will talk to you guys in October. Okay. Well, it feels good not to have like an outline. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want an outline. I just want to chat. <laughs> so, yeah. well, and you know, honestly, it's either way to me. I mean, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, to be honest. <laughs> We've got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, we do. No, I, like I said, I was just like, I feel like podcasting. It had been like, you know, several months and I actually did a podcasts last week for my other podcast. And I was kind of, I felt rusty. I was like, Oh, how do I do this again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've been off and traveling. So yeah, it's actually been great not having to do this and not like, I don't know, not have stress and not be worried about anything. So yes. So how's your summer and gardening and all of that? It's good. I mean, it's really hot. I mean, it's, we're doing a, um, a raised bed for some peppers today Mm -hmm. and Chris is out there right now and it is just like intensely hot. I I don't, it just, I don't know if it did in Houston, but 
Um, it went from literally one week, it was, you know, pleasant and, and then spring-like, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was just hot. Yeah, no, that was the same. I felt like April, we were doing good. And then it was just the end of April just said, ha ha, it's summer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A hundred degrees every day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just been rough. I actually felt like before, I don't know, it felt like it had been cooler even until the temperature was closer to a hundred. And then this week, I feel like it's been like in the low nineties, but it feels like it's been miserable. Yeah. Like it feels like it should be 105 and I'm like, it's only 90. Yeah. Well, and it's been humid really. Like, I don't know about there too, but it's, yeah. it's humid here. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty so, humid here. Yeah. So, and you got, I think you got more rain than we did when that rain came last week, the little tropical system. Oh, did we? I don't know. I think Austin got a little bit more than we did because it okay. us like every day it looked like it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden it would just disappear on the weather app. And I was like, oh, never mind. Because <laughs> oh, when I every time I looked up, it was like the hill country and that area over over through you and down to the Palmetto State Park. It, it was always like raining. I'm like, oh, good. She's getting some rain. But <laughs> yeah, not. no, I think it was like one or two days and that was about it. So, yeah, yeah. But I think Austin got a really nice soaking, so that was good. That's good. Yeah, because they, they dry out so fast. And I feel like they're always like, yeah, we, we have plenty of water. And then, like, a month later, like, oh, we're back in drought. <laughs> so yeah. And I think everybody, I'm not sure how is it where you are, but um, we always have restrictions. Like, we can only water twice a week. So. Oh, no, we're definitely not on restrictions right now just because, well, we had a ton of rain back in the end of May, but um, we haven't had restrictions in a while, so we're good. Yeah, they've had it ever since we moved here. So we have like, you know, they do even and odd, like your house number, and we get to do Thursday and Sunday, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's only like um, watering from a sprinkler. What about manual watering? Like if you had a watering can? Right. Yeah. You can do that anytime. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, well, yeah. So maybe talk about your garden redo. Cause you said you're like ripping out all the old landscaping and putting in new stuff. And how's that going? It's good. It was really overwhelming. We got the um, new garden design last year and I don't know what happened, but when we got it and every time I looked at it, there was just this big overwhelm. Every, you know, I couldn't get started. There was no part of me that could go outside and do what was on the plan <laughs> anywhere. And so um, it took until, I don't know, it was probably January or so. And I finally pulled it back out again because I was like, we really want to do this. Like, why are we not doing it? So we pulled it out again and it was like, okay, let's just start on one area of one piece of what she's talking about and and get it done. So it was, you know, that's where we started with the front yard because that had the most to do. Um, And yeah, the first thing she said was basically rip everything out because it's not native. It has nothing to do with your landscape. You know, you need to make it into kind of, I guess her the plan is to make it a um, meadow with wildflowers, like okay. a, a pollinator area. So that yeah. everything else in the back, we just don't have, I mean, we have, you know, flowers from the plants, but not um, like a specific wildflower area. Right. And so she said that would be nice. And then also to add in like a walkway because we didn't have an area from the front, you know, from the driveway to the front 
door, basically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned is how much like the hardscaping and uh, leads to des- good design and like makes the garden just look so much better. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. And it's, I mean, it can be little things too. All the things that she put on there, it's not big changes, but it changes things drastically, kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Yes. So what things are you trying? Have you put in anything or have you, um, are you still kind of waiting? Yeah. So we started with grasses because I thought, okay, so let's fluff it up a little bit. It was kind of looking really bad to us. You know, it's all barren and, you know, empty out there. So we, um, yeah, we did things that grew fairly fast and might like look different from the outside, anybody driving by. Um, and so we, we did some grasses at first and then now we have edging and that was kind of hard because every time we went out there, we thought we were going to be putting in the edging and we would be digging up these massive landscaping rocks. We had yeah. no idea that they were underneath all of the soil mm-hmm. um, and they must have been put in a while ago, but they got covered up. And so every time we went in to put in everything, it was like, oh, no, there's a three by four foot rock that's eight inches deep. That oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. I wonder if somebody just got tired of uh, dealing with it and just brought a bunch of dirt in and covered it up. Yeah, I have no idea. So that's been a little slow going, but we're, I think, at the point where we've, you know, removed all the rocks. So edging is next. And then we're digging for the pavers. Okay. Walkway. So that'll be probably this weekend or maybe next week sometime. Um, We just, we, um, we just haven't had enough time. It's, you know, your time to do it and you get out there and it's hot and sweaty and it takes hours. So you have to, you know, and we only have maybe like an hour or two at a time that we can really devote to it and get it done. Right. So It's kind of moving it in or in around all of our other projects. So yeah, it'll get done, but. A little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's better to do it in phases anyway, because then you can you can afford what you can at the time. And you know, I feel like if you just go into the whole thing, it's just going to get overwhelming as it is. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's one of the things we've been tracking is the money. And this year, I feel like we've spent more than we've ever spent on any year because <laughs> you know, we've got pavers, and the, there's the, you know, of course, the base layer underneath it, like the paver underlay, the sand, mm-hmm. the, the stones, and yeah, there's so many different pieces to it. It's not just put your pavers down and go. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. No, you talked about the money thing. You were tracking how much your garden costs for the whole year, right? Correct. Yeah. And how's that going? It's good. I mean, like I said, we're definitely spending a little bit more this year because of the, the uh, garden design work, you know, but it's, I have it right here. Let me see. So for this year, cause I just calculated like all of it this morning up until today. And I don't feel like it's that much maybe, I mean, for six months, but maybe it is. I don't know. I don't have any, um, scale to know what other people spend on theirs. I know you can spend as little or as much as you want. I mean, people can, you know, (laughs) it it varies greatly. Um, But we've spent a thousand one hundred seventy four and fifty one cents. Okay. Yeah. So, so far. So I'm sorry. Um, No, I guess I was actually thinking about the edible garden. You were talking about tracking its cost. 
Yeah, well, that's everything. That, okay, that is covered okay. everything. Okay. Yeah. And usually, like, the edible garden is, I mean, the main expense there is all the compost that comes in because we get a dump of it at a time. Yeah. In the hay. But that's really so minimal still. I mean, it's not very much. So... Um, so you haven't figured out how to, to get enough compost in your own garden yet, right? No, it's been really hard. Um, we've, we still have the worms going and I've got, um, I've added one extra bin. So we've got two bins going at once and that's been helping quite a bit because they're, you know, the, um, the waste from them is really rich. And, um, so when you put it outside, it really feels like you're adding in some really good stuff, but yeah, we just, I guess maybe just because of the space we have over there um, with the empty lot, it's that we, we turned into a, the garden area. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little bit bigger than what we can do for right. with our stuff. So, yeah. I understand. So <laughs> <I'm> far. Actually, <laughs> I need to uh, actually turn my compost and then empty out the little bit that's left in one bin and then start that other side so I can have that kind of ready for fall. So. Well, and you have a really large space too. Well, yours is probably way larger than ours, to be honest. Well, I mean, and what we, and that's the thing is we don't, that compost that we make is really only for the edible garden, not for, you know, it doesn't go around, you know, the trees or the flower garden or any of that kind of stuff. And so if we do add anything else for, you know, bringing in compost to, to fertilize the trees or anything like that, yeah, we have to go and buy that. So, I mean, yeah, we definitely don't put in as much as we should. And I've thought about doing like kind of another slow pile off to the side. Um, I think it's Lee Reich. I think he has talks about a ton of different, he has a bunch of different composting methods. And if you look on his blog and he's been on some podcasts talking about this, he's like composted jeans and all sorts of different stuff because he just has piles that, you know, they're not fast compost piles or just slow stuff. And I really feel like we need something like that. And yeah. I feel like we burn, Chris likes to burn all, you know, the debris and crap that falls during storms. And I'm, I feel like we're losing, we're wasting that. We need to be putting it in a pile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to make like a, like have a fire hazard kind of pile, but something that's slow to, slowly um, decomposing to use for later. Right. So, I don't know. That's something, something I've been thinking about for a while. Just haven't, you know, brought it up to actually do so. Maybe we need to challenge each other next year. <laughs> and we double it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, that and just thinking about all the other things that could be composting that I don't compost. Like right. every time I clean out the dryer lint, I'm like, I could have that compost, but the trash can is right here. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and kids too. Like I know sometimes I find orange peels in the um, trash can and I'm like, whoa, people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, every now and then I get I'll get lazy on something and Forrest Forrest actually be like, Oh, I'll put it in the compost and he wants to run out. So he's excited about that, which I think is which is good. So I think I well, I have almost a teenager, so I think yeah. at that point they're like, eh, I'm done with it. Right. <laughs> Um, no, I think Forrest is actually getting to a point where he's, you know, he kind of was all helpful about a year ago, even six months ago, but now he's like, nah, I don't want to go to the edible garden. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah. God." laughs> 
<laughs> it happens. <laughs> so maybe he'll in another year or two when he wants to plant stuff. Um, cause he has a little spot where he just digs right now, but, um, hopefully in a few years he'll want to be planting instead of playing maybe. Right. So, yeah, I think they go through phases. Well, our son did at least it's kind of like at some point, they do, they see something that they want to grow or they taste something that you grew and they're like, wow, that's good. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then after a while they're like, eh, it's too much work for me. And then, you know, I don't know. It just goes, I I see little cycles, you know? Right. They come back to it because you have it there, but yeah. Well, I'm I'm just glad we're like installing the, or instilling, installing, yeah, installing their brain, growing and doing a garden now. And so maybe in 10, 15 years when they're older and, you know, when your son's, you know, out of college, maybe he'll be more interested in it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Why could he, how could he not be? Because you, when you grow up with that type of food, it's so different and you know the difference. And right. uh, I think that, yeah, there's no way that they couldn't at some point become interested. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so foraging, have you been doing any of that lately? We haven't done a lot. We've really been focused, like any extra time we have on that front yard. Um, I'm trying to think what was the last thing we foraged. Yeah, I can't remember. What have you been foraging? Nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> no, there's actually this apple tree. At least I think it's an apple tree in this empty lot. There's a business kind of adjacent to it. I haven't got on the property appraiser to see who actually owns it. But every year, I mean, every year since we've lived here, I've been like, I want to go get those apples. Right. And um, I don't know. Um, Chris, Chris is like, you can't go over there and steal them. I'm like, they're just going to rot. Right. So I haven't gotten them yet, but I want to. It's easier when you can just go and knock on a door, isn't it? Yes. yes. (laughs) Well, part of me wants to just go go to the business next door and be like, is that your tree? And if they're like, no, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to pull my car over here, get what I can reach from the ground and head on out. Well, and a lot of the times the neighbors know whose tree it is and will give you a phone number too. Right. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Or if they don't think anybody cares, then they can tell you that too. Yeah, right. So I just haven't gotten around to it. But that's the only thing I've thought about foraging. And I still haven't gotten around to trying the Yopan tea yet, even though I have tons of it. I just haven't done it. Well, we've been making – I'll have to give you um, the recipe whenever you start doing it again. You're still brewing kombucha, right? Uh, yeah, I'm very lazy with it, but yeah, I have it. Yeah. We've been doing the Yopon, the dark roasted Yopon in our kombucha and it's delicious. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Cause you told me about that and I was like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's delicious. And it's a lot more, um, crystal clear. The color of it is really clear. I don't know how to explain, but the difference between that and the regular black tea that we're using, like we have two different batches going. We have the black tea and then we have the kombucha, the yopon, um, Mm -hmm. dark roasted, sorry. And um, yeah, the yopon is just like crystal clear and beautiful. And the other one's kind of like a little bit like cloudy when you start it. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what the difference is, but yeah, it, it just looks better for some reason. Yeah, probably just didn't have that tea tannins that 
that come in where they kind of make it, I don't know, I feel like that's why it gets a little dark and cloudy. Right. It must be. So no, that was, that's my goal is to get back into the kombucha. I just wish I could make like a half batch and I guess you could, I'm just afraid like it's not going to ferment properly. So I don't, I mean, I think people do really tiny batches. I think you could do whatever you want. Yeah. I'll have to try. I just, every time I go to look on a recipe for it, it's just always like three quarts of water. Right. And, and, that. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I can't drink this much. I'm just, it's just me. It's too <laughs> so. much. Yeah. So. But yeah, the Yopon is really good in that. So you good. should try that. Okay. I'll have to try that then. And how do you, you just roast it in the oven for like how long? So we take the leaves and we do this, the thing that um, we learned in the foraging class and we, um, we let it sit like the, all the leaves. Yeah. They just sit for two weeks. Okay. And then after two weeks, that's when you roast it. And I think it was in the oven for 400 and I really just watch it because it can go really fast, really. Right. So you, you just kind of watch it until it's the color you want. And then I pull it real quick. Okay. Yeah. I could just imagine it like turning into like, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it smells really good that way too. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll try it this weekend. Yeah. Buckle down. Well, I guess I'd have to dry it for two weeks, but yeah. Now pull it this weekend, two weeks from now, I'll roast it and we'll see what happens. So that's right. You have to, do you have a house with like everything has dates on it? That's kind of how I feel like with the kombucha, it has a date on it. The leaves have a date on it. No, I'm not that organized. <laughs> My kombucha's in in a dark closet where I'm like, mm, I think it's been about three months since I brewed it. So probably need to rebrew it so it still lives. Right. So I'm actually I've been thinking about doing a uh, sourdough starter too. And I started one like, actually, it's probably been before Forest was even thought about. So it's been like four or five years. I did a good sourdough starter, but then I never did anything with it. So... I don't know. Thinking about it. Have you done that before? We used to have a sourdough starter and then I don't know what happened, but one month we just got really off of bread and we just didn't touch it. And when we went back to it, we we couldn't revive it. So we just let it go. But recently I um, saw there was a class in Austin by this guy and I think his site is, is Miche Bread, or I don't know how you pronounce that. It's M-I-C-H-E. Okay. And so he has a class, but it's all, um, I think it's in conjunction with the Barton Springs Mill. Okay. And so they do, they like grind it. I guess they grind all of the wheat and I think they're also experimenting with mesquite. Oh, um, yeah. Into flowers right there, and then they make the bread. And so, and I think they use like some sort of wild local starter that they have made. And, and I think it's somewhat like similar. Is, is it similar or is like a sourdough? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but I've been curious about that lately too. And it, I mean, it's kind of similar to the sourdough. I think you have to keep it, it's like a living you know, right. starter that you have to keep going like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's an Austin class. I'll have to, I'll send you the link if you're interested um, because it looks really good. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I guess that's my only thing as a sourdough. I was like, if I'm so lazy with the kombucha, then I'll probably right. kill my starter. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many to keep up with. <laughs> well, and in the same way as like, I get, we get in bread moods, but then I fall out of them and I just, you know. Right. So. 
Yeah, I know. So at some point you have to let some things go to just keep up with the things you're doing. So right. prioritize. Well, it's like, I see all these people who ferment so many different things and I'm just like, how? <laughs> but I guess if that's your thing, if, if you're a ferment person, then. Right. Yeah. They're just checking it constantly because I know, yeah, we can only, we do it seasonally, you know, yeah. we, we only do like the winter ferment. So. Yeah. Cause summer, I feel like fermenting just happens too fast and then it goes bad. So. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, oh, talking about the the uh, flowers and stuff. You were trying to you bought the inland uh, sea oats, right? Right. And you were going to do that. So tell me more about that. So I was reading that you can um, the seed pods or the the little flat pieces that come down and they're mm-hmm. really pretty. Um, so if you get the seeds, you can grind them into flour and um, make bread as well. Um, Clearly, we've not done it yet, but we did get, um, we got a lot of, we got, I think, two flats of them. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Have you ever done that with any of your grasses? No, but I mean, over here, I don't know how common that grass is over that way, but in East Texas, you can definitely find it's very common in a lot of the floodplains. Um, and I have some in my yard around, it's mostly kind of around some trees. It's just naturally occurring. So I'm just like, you could easily just forage a whole bunch of it, you know, in the area that you're allowed to forage, like the national forest or something like that. Um, but it's pretty common to find around here, but I've never heard of anybody right, me neither. doing that. So I thought that was really interesting when you said that. I was like, huh, interesting. We should ask Merriweather. I don't know if he has oh. used it or not. I haven't actually checked on his site to even see if it was there. But Yeah, I didn't think about that, too. I bet I'm willing to bet it's on there. <laughs> I would imagine. So, Or someone he knows probably has done it. So, Yeah, I'm sure he knows one way or the other. Right. I just wonder, like, what the ratios are for to make something um, for bread, you know. Because, you know, what? and does it have gluten and all of that? Like, is it a gluten-free... I don't know. I'm curious. I guess because it's grass and wheat's grass. I, I don't know. Right. Well, and I think that the um, like the grasses and the wheats that are ground from the pure seed like that, like I'm not sure since it's not refined in any way whatsoever, wouldn't that be like a gly? Well, I guess I don't know about gluten, but I guess the glycemic index would be totally different too, right? Yeah, right. Well, and you hear people, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gluten-free, but I've read enough about, my mom is gluten-free and my sister-in-law is too, but I've read enough about everybody talking about eating wheats in Europe or other places and not having the problems that they encounter in the U.S. So I'm just kind of curious, like, if I don't know, this is an interesting prospect I'm thinking about here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. And that's that's kind of why I was interested in that Austin bread maker because I think it was on his site or something. It was saying that, you know, the people who have problems with bread don't have problems with his bread because of the ingredients that he's using. Hmm. And the fact that basically you're, you know, chewing like the way that you're, when you're eating his bread, you're actually probably losing weight is what he was saying. (laughs) How your body digests it and all that stuff. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's not true. I mean, it was probably a, but you know what I mean? Like, because of the fact that your body is breaking it down differently than other breads. Right. Right. Yeah. 
when you said chewing, I was like, man, it sounds like hardtack or something. Right. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I would eat that. Yeah, maybe it's not good. Maybe it's just something pretty to look at. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, so um, so I guess what you said, your edible garden's kind of taking a little break this summer. Um, what do it, you think growing right now? Yeah, it is. I went out there this morning and. Um, the main things that are growing like crazy are the collards, those tree collards and the one that we have from like three years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they just go, they have no problems with the summer. Um, let's see what else is out there. You know, the tomatoes, they droop every day. They look like they're about to die <laughs> on the brink of death. <laughs> Most things. Um I'm trying to, the cucumbers are doing horrible. They were just totally drooping and I'm not sure what's going on with them. Um, Lufa is living. It's not of course flowering anymore. So we probably won't get any Lufa until fall. Yeah. Um, if we can keep it alive because it droops too every day. Um, yeah. I mean the herbs, like the thyme patches in the shade, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, basil seems to be doing okay. We did, um, seeds from last year and they were really strong and in the sun. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but they, the basil this year looks good too. Um, yeah, I mean the peppers, they, you know, they're, they're growing, but they do need a lot more water. Yeah. We have to hand water a lot of the peppers and the tomatoes because they just really just look sad at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. My tomatoes are pretty much done. I think I was going to give them another two weeks, but I think I'm really just going to go out there and except for the cherry tomatoes, I'm going to go ahead and just pull everything because I'm not going to wait around for them to maybe flower when it cools off in September. So, right. um, cause I've, I've done that and they just, they just look like crap for three months. So I really don't want to deal with that. So did you, did you plant a second round? Like no, well, actually, yes, I had, before we left for vacation, I started seeds and one of the things, one of the things we had our pet sitter do was water our potting bench. So <laughs> I was like, we really want our plants to live. Can you please water these every day? And, um, so luckily most of them germinated, uh, I'm trying, I, I don't know, trying some Northern tomatoes for fall tomatoes because I feel like, so we have this long heat you know, to October, sometimes November. And so sometimes you can get flowers on the tomatoes. Sometimes you can't that early. It just kind of depends, but they really don't start flowering until we start kind of cooling off in November. But right. then lately, like the last two years, we've had these cold fronts in early December when, you know, some years we've gone to like January before we have anything really cold. So, so I'm trying a Northern one that is bred for cooler temperatures. So I'm hoping that what, it may not flower in October, but I'm hoping I'll actually start having, I don't know. I'm just trying to like life hack this. Right. <laughs> hack this. How Game can I the system. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're like me. Everybody talks about fall tomatoes in Texas and I don't know hardly anybody. I think maybe people in DFW can have some luck with it, but it just stays so hot for so long. We just, I just don't have luck. So. Yeah. We, we have a couple years. I mean, it really depends on the weather and this year is so, so hot, but is it going to like, I'm not sure in the fall, are we going to have like a, a steep cutoff like it was before? Right. Right. Yeah, You just never know. 
So yeah, I have probably eight seedlings. So, and they're, I think they're red Siberian. So I was like, well, this is my last year. I'm going to give it a go. If these don't work, then I'm done with fall tomatoes. So I'm not doing it ever again. And uh, we'll go from there. So, but yeah. So I did the second round of tomatoes. I do have loofah too. I actually got them in the ground earlier this year. <laughs> but um, the deer, I have tried to, uh, they're, they're tri- eating off the vine as they as they grow up. So one of them made it to the top of the, the fence. So I'm hoping it can just be fine growing, but the others have, have yet to make it to the top before the deer find it. So I need to, I don't know, spray some fish emulsion, do something. And maybe I will have some loofah. We'll see. Right. <laughs> so, so, the, so the deer like the loofah? Um, yeah. Well, the, at least the um, the vine itself. Yeah. And there's a ton of little baby deer out right now. So I think they will try anything they can until right. they figure out that what's good and what's not good. So, And I was so surprised to have these black-eyed Susans uh that have just randomly sprouted up out in the garden out there. They were in our flower garden, but I think um, I probably deadheaded or done something and put in the compost and we've put compost out there. They've spread out there. And so I've kind of left some on the perimeter beds and a couple of them are kind of on closer to the edge, closer to the path away from the fence. And I thought they were going to be fine, but I don't know. These deer have somehow managed to get their heads <laughs> through the fence and their necks. And I'm, and I'm guessing it's the baby deer because they have to be so small to get through there. And they've like lopped off the tops of the flowers. I was like, and they're about, they should be blooming here soon. So I was just like, seriously. Yeah. So the deer are never ending the relentless, but. Yeah, you have deer and we have, I think, um, a family of possums. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So and they love the compost, of course. Yeah. And I think they're just constantly trolling at night, you know, trying to <laughs> well, they, they can do. <laughs> probably turn it for you, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Our neighbor said, you know, they come in late at night because they have children that you know, grandchildren that have just been born. And so they've been coming home really late. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they say that they come back and they just see them crossing the street. <laughs> oh gosh. Go get the nightly raid. <laughs> it's a bad time. <laughs> so how did you get any cucumbers at all or not? Yeah, we got a lot of those, um, the little tiny white ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, those were really good. Um, yeah, uh, no, I've never grown them this year. We're growing Sumter, which is like just a standard, you know, pickling kind of cucumber. Um, and then I'm trying lemon cucumber and I'm trying those cucamelons too. So we, we tried the cucamelons. Um, they got to a certain point and then the birds got them. I don't know what the problem was, but the birds have really been intense this year. They, um, when all of the um, sunflowers were a certain height, they, I came out one morning and it was like a flurry away from the um, sunflowers and birds had chomped off like two feet off the top. They ate the whole entire thing through and like took off the, the, um, stem they took off like in their mouth they were like (laughs) taking them away so i guess they had babies to feed or something 
guess I don't know. So we we lost like pretty much all the sunflowers, and they didn't touch the Jerusalem artichokes because obviously they're you know a little bit different. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The cucumelons are. I have one fruit on there right now. I need to look to see like when it is right to harvest them. Um, so, gosh, the stupid echo it gets back. Uh oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to. Oh, that's all right. Again. Okay. Do your do your birds eat your um, Swiss chard and lettuce and do they do that to your? No, the birds yeah. don't. The oh, birds have been getting the tomatoes, uh, but they've not been getting the any of the Swiss chard or lettuce or any of that. Yeah, our birds are just intense this year. I don't know. Oh, and I actually have a couple of Swiss chards that are still hanging in there, and, and some beets that are still hanging in there. The beets are kind of giant though, so hopefully they're not too woody. Yeah. Have you ever had yours go to seed? No, I've never let it, let them go to seed. Um, last year I was trying to let one go to seed, but the ants, the fire ants ended up like tunneling into one of the beets and trying to make it a house, you know, a nest. And um, I was like, no, we're not doing that. So <laughs> pull them out and let it go. So. Yeah, we tried a couple years to get beets and kohlrabi to go to seed, and we pulled them, put them in the refrigerator, and then put them back out. And because you know they're on the second year mm-hmm. cycle, but we still couldn't get them. I don't know if the temperatures were not right or like what the deal was, but it was. It's definitely a little bit more challenging to do those two to seed here. Mm. Now, and there's a lot of stuff that just I just don't bother with just because of our season. So yeah. Mm. Hmm. So, so what? what you, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, what are you putting in your winter garden? Oh gosh, I will not even think about my winter garden until. <laughs> I know, but I mean, isn't it usually? Do you start your seed? Well, you start some seeds too. Um, mostly seeds. We know. do, but I feel like I we don't typically do the jump start on the winter sowing like some people and I kind of feel like maybe I should because every time I see people starting stuff in August and they're getting things in October, I'm like, well, maybe I should be doing that. (laughs) Um, Like carrots. I'll see people getting carrots already in October and um, even down here, which, you know, all of our growing stuff says not to start the carrots in the garden until October. So I just, I don't know. I just, it's mostly as a matter of if I want to deal with the headache of starting everything from seed and transplanting and all of that. So, um, I mean, I really honestly probably won't even start about, start thinking about the fall garden until late August to early September. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking, um, possibly mid July to start a few things so that we could have like a couple rounds of beans. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, I, I started our beans kind of late because we had some peas on still late. And so the beans are just now starting to do start producing. Um, and I probably could start another round of beans probably in August for another round. But I have them there in the back sh- half of the garden and it's shadier. So it stays cooler and they're able to bloom a little bit better. And I put some beans in the one of the in the front bed last year and they just they burned and they didn't bloom and they just, they were awful. It was yeah. just too hot right there. So I, I kind of wish I had some shade on that section now. <laughs> yep. So, but what about, so you, you're going to, you start stuff in July and August. What are you going to start? Yeah. Well, normally we don't, I'm sorry. That's, let me turn. 
that off for some reason. Um, I don't know why that went off. Um, we normally just put everything out directly in October, September, you know, we, yeah. we do it outside, but I like you, I've, I've been seeing people start things, you know, under inside and then bring it out and they have like a lot more variety and length to their, you know, the plants that they're putting out there. So I thought, well, I don't know, maybe we should try that because we're really wanting to do, and I'm not sure if we can even do this with turnips and radishes because I mean, just the, the nature of them, I would think that they need to go directly out. Yeah. Um, but there's a few things that I thought maybe we could get a little, we could extend it just a little bit, you know, if we right. put them out and, you know, mainly like the greens and the beans and the, you know, basic staples that we use every day. Right. Um, I wouldn't mind trying at least one like lettuce pack to see what would, you know, if it'll germinate kind of in the shadier part of the area in September to see if we can get something for, you know, an October harvest, because I feel like if we ever, if we start our, our greens in October or November, then we're not eating lettuce until. Right. Exactly. Late. So, yeah. and um, especially, you know, especially get the freezes or the cold fronts and that stalls their growth. And, and so. plus, I mean, it looks so sad in August that maybe that will give us hope that, you know, things will live again. <laughs> well, I'm hoping my okra comes in soon. Right. <laughs> That's my August standby. Exactly. Yeah, it feels like when okra comes, it's, you know, it's so nice because you have the blooms and they're beautiful. And then all of a sudden there's okra for days, like it yes. never stops. So, Well, and last year we're discovering that you could eat it raw was like yeah. a game changer. I was just like, oh, well, this just makes things even better. <laughs> awesome, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, well, especially because, you know, I like it fried, but I don't need to eat it fried. <laughs> yeah. So if I eat it raw, that'd be great. So Or grilled. Like, have you grilled yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I've put it in like foil packs. I've never done it like to get the grill marks kind of thing on there. Okay. Yeah. And it only takes like a minute per side. So it's only literally like a couple minutes when you grill it. So okay. it's super fast. I'll have to try that. Yeah. <sighs> well, do you have anything else you're planning for fall? Like anything interesting? We're just doing tons and tons of turnips and radishes so that we can ferment them. Okay. Yeah. Because the sour Reuben, we tried sour Reuben last year and I mean, it went so uh, literally within like a week, we had eaten all of it because it was so good. We had no idea. And that's so. the fermented, fermented turnips? Yep. And that's, and that's fermented turnips? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. have I never tried that. And I've still got some sauerkraut that I made the spring in my fridge that I need to eat. So. Yeah. Yeah. We still have regular sauerkraut, but I don't know, the radishes, the turnips, and the kohlrabi also, those three, I mean, they were really, really good. And we didn't do anything special because we had never tried any of them. We had never tried radishes. We had never tried turnips. We had never tried kohlrabi. And so we did them all separately and just, I think we put black pepper maybe. And I don't even think we put garlic. We didn't put anything. It was just salt and black pepper. And all three of them individually were just delicious. So. Yeah. Highly recommended. <laughs> Good. I will. I'll try that next year. <laughs> yeah. I just wish, uh, I wish Chris would eat some ferments. He just, he doesn't do that. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
He's kind of like our son who will sit there and literally complain until, you know, he has to leave the table because he's like, oh, my God, I can't sit here. This is ridiculous. This is so awful. It smells disgusting. in here. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, I just think about all the things that I used to think were disgusting yeah. as a kid and things that I eat now. So, yeah, you know. it's very different, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. So. Actually, you know, speaking of weird things, it was funny because I, um, I've had, you know, drink kombucha occasionally, right? And, uh, I bought actually just like GTs or something at the store and I've give some, gave some to Forrest and it was sour, but he liked it. And, and then we bought apple juice in a bottle because we were at the beach the other day and he pretended it was his kombucha. So he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna get my kombucha. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> So maybe I can get you onto this after all. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, a lot of the store-bought ones are pretty sweet. So yeah, I yeah. mean, imagine, you know, on some level you could find a grouping of them that kids would like. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if we can edit this out, but do you want to talk about Garden Keeper and what your plans are or if you if you have any plans for that? You know, I don't know what to do with it. I still don't, I don't know if I need like a business coach or like, you know, like what to do to even, I guess to me, I just enjoy doing it. And it's just been really hard to find out how to make money with it. Mm -hmm. And which would be nice because, you know, my goal is to have, you know, aside something that would bring in income that would be really fun for me and helpful to other people. And I mean, I know you agree too, but I mean, growing food is pretty much one of the most important things that I think we do for not only, like you said, showing our kids what we, you know, how to eat real food, but I mean, it's just really important to us as a family. Um, yeah. So it's hard that I haven't been able to figure out what to do with it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I don't really have plans right now. I don't know what to do with it. I'm kind of, I put it down a little bit because I'm not sure. Right. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to do any kind of side thing like that. Um, especially in the garden. <laughs> I mean, there's ton of people doing all their own little things too. Right. And it's how to find get your voice out there and, you know, to make that sale and, promotions and all of that stuff. So I can see how it's difficult to navigate with everybody else. Right. Well, and also I, I kind of feel like, you know, the part that was really interesting to me because I felt like we did that or we do that. It's not like we just stopped. Like I constantly do it no matter if I have the garden keeper or not. Like I'm always tracking stuff, you know, right. we're always doing experiments where we track stuff or keep stuff you know, and I, I use my garden keeper like literally every day. Like I constantly, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm using it. And I guess I thought we had like this little area that maybe wasn't um, being filled because I don't know that, you know, for us, we couldn't find one that we, you know, encompassed everything that we wanted to do for growing food. Right. Like a journal or, you know, something. Mm -hmm. usually they're like open ended. And I kind of get that now because I'm not sure a lot of people are structured enough. Like, I don't think they want to be structured in that way because right. they're growing food because it's fun for them. Right. And 
I guess for us, we wanted to grow year round and we wanted to have enough food that we could eat every day off of it, you know, in some form or fashion. Like it didn't have to be, you know, a hundred percent or anything, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it, I, I'm not sure that there was a big enough audience for the thing that I thought was really the most helpful to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you could always introduce, I mean, but then the, then the other part is the cost of developing other products that would, you know, suit other niches too. But yeah, I understand. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, you could easily write more books and stuff, but I mean, how many books, I mean, if there's one really good book on worm composting, that's all you need. You don't need a whole bunch more. You know right. what I mean? It's not going to change. Like the, right. the methods don't change. And, you know, as far as composting, I mean, People know how to compost. It's not like they don't. It's just we don't because it's a lot of hassle or, you know, right. what I mean? like they, they don't do that because they need to build a bin or they've got a, you know, like whatever their challenge is. It's, you know, a real challenge, time, money, effort, whatever it is. So yeah. another book isn't going to help them. Right. So. Well, I mean, you talk about books in the repetition of the same books and or different publishers trying to put out similar things. And I'm just, I'm reading a book from like the eighties. It's a Ruth pages garden journal. Um, it's kind of a compilation of her essays. She was a gardener and um, uh, she wrote for a newspaper. I can't remember which newspaper at the moment, but back, you know, way back in the seventies and eighties. And, but you know, the same advice from the eighties is, you know, you read about it now and it's, it's almost the same thing. I mean, she has some, you know, chemical kind of stuff on occasion in there because, you know, the organic movement wasn't quite taking off then, but, um, but pretty much it still applies. So you can pick up these older books and still find useful information in them. Well, yeah. I mean, basically it boils down to make your soil as good as you can humanly make it. And then, you know, put plants in and don't put crap on them. I mean, right. you know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. Like keep feeding your soil. That's, and make sure that you have worms. Like that helps too. Or, Gosh. you know, like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty basic when you yep. think about it. Yep. Well, I think we can wrap up. Um, I don't know what else you want to talk about. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Like, someday I'd like yeah we need to um like quarterly or like twice a year or once a year even like figure out a time that we could like do some kind of gardening um adventure together so that we can go and meet somewhere (laughs) yes well I still think we should go to Peggerwood they're always having something there so their emails now after I you know mentioned that to you or we talked about it um I get their emails now and they do look really interesting. And I keep thinking like, Oh gosh, can I plan already in October? Like the October thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so far out. So yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing with me that, I mean, we try to schedule camping trips and stuff. So yeah, if we put something on the calendar sooner than later, then we can definitely find the time. So cool. maybe we'll get okay. their schedule and see what they've got. Yeah. Or if there's ever like a time that we could go hunting for Texas persimmons. Like, oh, I yes. Tried one. <laughs> well, I know I, I told you that, that um, lower Colorado river authority, um, it's a Mc, Mc, McKinney roughs natural area. I I've seen them there. So yeah. I know where to take you. <laughs> I Perfect. know where they're at. Let's go. Meet there. I, I don't know if you can actually like legally forage there, but I can at least show you what they look like. So, right. 
And I guess you can't taste, can you? <laughs> well, maybe it's on the ground. You could probably. <laughs> I'm sure people pick blackberries and things you right. know, off in the woods and everybody sees. So I imagine. So, yeah. well, thanks for having me, having a little garden chat for yeah. summer catch up. I'm glad we got to talk. Yes. Yeah. And do you have any more plans for the summer? What are y'all, are you leaving or staying? Or? No, no more plans. We're pretty much staying. Chris has a ton of different work projects for the next month that may or may not overlap on weekends, but um, we're, we're pretty, pretty much not going anywhere. So, so just. We- When you garden, so you garden like during your lunch hour, it seems like, and then also on the weekends, is that basically when your time is? Yeah. Well, in evenings, I actually, a couple months ago, I started working out at lunch instead of gardening, but yeah, pretty much garden at lunch um, or in the evenings as time permits, um, you know, if it, and if Forrest is interested in going to the edible garden, we go out there. If not, I try to find something to do, which is there's always something to do in the flower garden too. So pull weeds or stake something or whatever. So, I mean, I just find time when I can. And, um, you know, if Chris is home and he can hang out with Forrest for a couple hours, like I really need, what I need to do is spend another like two hours in the edible garden and finish pulling weeds and get some mulch down in the garden path. Um, cause it's all like either decomposed or floated away in that little flood we had. So, right. <laughs> so I, that's kind of my biggest thing is to kind of wrap that up. And then it's really just kind of little maintenance here and there until, until fall. So, right. Yeah. And we have such a weird gardening schedule cause we're gone with, um, chess on the weekends. So most of the time it's me getting up at like six and like six to eight is a really good time here because it's not hot yet. Yeah. Um, but the mosquitoes are out. So I always have to wear like my big overalls. Um, but yeah, it's like mornings, Monday through Friday. And then sometimes in the evenings too, like after eight or, you yeah. know, like right before there's, there's like a window because it, you know, the sunset is like around eight 30. So it's like mm-hmm. eight 30, I can get in another little something, you know? Yeah. But yeah, weekends are tough. Yeah. You mentioned mosquitoes. I usually don't try to wear bug spray, but, um, they found West Nile in our County. So I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to wear mosquito spray now. <laughs> yeah. I usually just put up with the bites. Cause there's, I mean, it's really the worst in the edible garden cause it's that low lying kind of area. But, um, so yeah, we're being a little vigilant right now because of that. So, and then we drove to Galveston and they have signs for Zika all down there. And I'm like, Oh, oh great. I don't think there's been any found or anything this year, but still, you know, good things to think about. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I usually spray my suit with the DEET. Oh, okay. But I don't spray me because I have found that when I spray that on my body, it literally starts burning within like 30 minutes. Ooh. And it just doesn't feel right. Right, right. <laughs> oh, I don't want that on me. <laughs> yeah, I try the more hippy-dippy versions. And I've used the, the DEET stuff and the more more heavy uh, things before when I'm in like super mosquito areas. Um, but I just try like the more like like off family care. And then there's Baby Gannix, which is what I use for forest. Um, they have some sort of like more natural, you know, probably has like citronella and something else in it. But it it's probably not perfect, but that's what I try. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, anything can help because yeah, yeah, that stuff is scary. Yeah. Well, well, I guess we'll wrap up. Thanks for chatting again. Yeah. 
definitely anytime. Okay. Talk to you later. To seeing you in real, you know, in real life soon too. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.